This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Blue Monday live stream Q&A with myself, Craig Fimbo, and my very good friend, Joe Fares. How are you, Joe? Yeah, good. Looking forward to seeing what the listeners have in store for us tonight. They're going to be talking about last night's spectacular England performance. Is that why you're uh, wearing what you're wearing? Yeah. The only positive is good to see Tyrone Mings getting some more minutes under his belt. Yeah, I don't, I don't really watch England matches that much, you know, for various reasons. But I thought, right, I'm going to set aside a couple of hours last night and, and watch it. And it was, and especially with the lineup they put out, I thought, well, happy days, you know, we're going to have a, a bit of a rip roaring performance. But to be fair, I thought um, Hungary played pretty well, didn't they? Yeah, and if you looked at the Euros, Hungary did. They were in that really tough group, weren't they, with Portugal, Germany, and was it, I can't remember, Belgium maybe as well in there. And I don't think anyone beat them in Hungary, or if they did, it was very narrow victories. They, they were they're sort of a hard side to break down, much like their fan base were for the police. <laughs> yeah, let's avoid that. Anyway, um, hello, everyone. Good evening, everybody. Get your questions in, get your topics in, whether it be last weekend, next weekend, the... FIFA 22 rankings, which I just noticed that the, they've got um, Raheem Harper, I think Lee Evans and Carl Edwards maybe on the on a yeah. club video moaning and groaning about their uh, their various ratings. Um, but yeah, no, give us a shout, um, stick your questions in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We'll um, give as many shout outs to you guys as we can. Evening, Charlie. Good evening, Huck. And Lee, you wouldn't believe it. The the red button's the most important button of it all. If I press the red button, Joe goes shooting up out of the uh, out of his chair towards the ceiling. Mm. I've got a child asleep in the bedroom above me, so please don't press it. <laughs> James Bond at the weekend. <laughs> We've got our first question though, is from Michael, all the way from Brizzy. Michael, I hope you are um, looking to get your ticket to the uh, the Gabatoire. Um, early December it'll be late November early December to give our uh, our boys a bit of support over there in uh, in Oz um but yeah let's let's dive straight into this shall we early days but who is our best goalkeeper I'm still waiting to see one of them make a great save like Bart used to now this I must admit this is one of my bugbears with the goalkeepers of the last two seasons is that they don't tend to make goal sorry they don't tend to make saves that you wouldn't expect them to make and I think that's sort of Michael's getting at is match winning saves point saving saves point winning saves um and obviously Hlanky's played the last two or three matches and it's looked okay but he still there just seems doesn't seem to be much of an understanding between him and the back two 
still, you know, there's still a bit of I'm in an R in and 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 nervousness to my eyes. But where do you reckon we're at, Joe? Are we still waiting for Walton to come in. Well, I think we know that Thomas Holy is out, so it is between Kladke and Walton. But Wal- Walton was presumably signed to be the number one. He's been the number one in the championship for sort of a Tony Mowbray Blackburn side and a Paul Cook Wigan side. So he is a player that's played a lot of games at the level above us. So you'd imagine he's the one that is starting to play. But then he's played one game, conceded five. Again, I wouldn't say they were his fault. But like Michael's question there, did he make any decent saves? And Did he make any saves at all in that game? But I don't think he did. No. And then Hladke's come back in. And so I, I the Accrington goals I haven't really seen back. And it's always difficult when you watch the highlights to know what they were. But he didn't have a hope in hell of saving either the Sheffield Wednesday looped goal or um, Wally's goal for Shrewsbury on Saturday. So he hasn't really done anything to deserve to lose his place in the team. But yes, I think we've been very spoiled by Bartos Bielkowski, but we just don't seem to have a keeper that makes a save, do we? Not makes it it's sort of a good save, any save really. Sort of Any shot is, I don't know whether it's just clinical finishing from the opposition, but ideally we do, you do want to see a keeper Make earning you points every year, sort of a keeper being yeah. good for 10 to 12 points a season, which it sounded like Hladke was at Salford last year, but he hasn't proven himself to be that with us yet. And like I say, there's sort of out the new signing, certain players have made themselves undroppable. Macaulay Bond is one of those. But at the other end of the pitch, I don't think anyone's really claimed that number one shirt in a, in a manner which says, this is mine and no one's, no one's getting this off me. It's quite strange. I, I sometimes wonder, because obviously the step up from League Two to League One, there is a sizable leap, especially if you're coming from Salford to Ipswich Town. You know, the, the crowds that you're playing in front of are, are bigger, the club's bigger. And for a lot of these players, and indeed, arguably the manager, this is the biggest club that they have performed, you know, for, isn't it? You know, whether it be in terms of the size of the club itself, in terms of the, the home crowd, 20,000 um, fans, which you know, Paul Cook hasn't on a regular basis managed in front of 20,000 fans. And, you know, a good handful of the players haven't played in front of 20,000 fans and the expectations that come with it. No, no, agreed on that, on, on, on all points of that. We are, a, I think we are still a big club and Portman Road is a is a big stadium at this level. And we haven't been signing players from other big clubs like your sort of Sheffield Wednesdays, Sunderland's at this level. Some of them have dropped down from the Championship, but a lot of the ones from this league, like I say, Joe Piggott, AFC Wimbledon. It's a big step up to here. Even Macaulay Bond, I know he's played a little bit of QPR, but we're not... He's, he's, he's sort of Charlton, Leighton Orient, Colchester. They, they're not used to playing in front of big crowds week in, week out at home. Sort of very few players in our squad are. And, and that, that does bring its own pressure, but these players have got to deal with that. Yeah. Well, um, another international watcher viewer i did i did joke to my wife she goes oh are you doing the pod later i said yeah i said my darling i am streaming live to the world later and she giggled away to herself but i'm going to screenshot this monty jordan is in korea and awake for the live stream well why wouldn't you be monty you know what else you got to get up for i presume you're south rather than rather than north and we're not being <laughs> uh we're not being watched by some um nefarious satellite somewhere yeah our listener numbers are low in the north of korea so whatever we can do to improve those will help our worldwide numbers yeah if you if you could yes spread the word mon if you can go pop over to the border near no man's land and you know chuck some sort of flyers over the fence mate that'd be be very much appreciated uh itc deacon if that's you james good evening to you if it's not good evening to you um huck's got a comment here really i think rather than question but it's a fair point in regards to Paul Cook's post-match comments um and that yeah given time hopefully Cook will sort out these bad habits that are still in still in these matches I think and uh, obviously that's sort of either whether it's taking a taking the foot off the pedal from a mentality perspective or physically once you've gone up in in the league we just still seem to have that about us for some reason and I did note on um on Saturday where my seat is um, I say, as people may know, I'm up in the corner near the near the um, tunnel, um, and I look down to look at the the goal at the north stand. I have to look past the dugouts to get to see the north stand. Um, and Paul Cook and Lee Evans were having a right old ding dong um, for a good running ten minute period in the second half, where Paul Cook was 
just lambasting him and going on and on and on at him just to do more, you know, run about more, get stuck in more. Um, and Lee Evans was given as much back as he was as he was getting sort of thing. But I, I presume that that's sort of thing he was um, referring to after after the match. Yeah, and I, I did bring the point up on Saturday on the live stream there that the sort of comments that Cook made after the game were what everyone around me who was watching the game with was thinking that we started off well and then after we scored, we were poor. And the second half of the first half, so the sort of second quarter of the game was a real drag to watch and it was really dull. And I think there were a few boos as we left the pitch. And I, th- I think they were probably deserved because I think the, the sort of players and the management needed to know that that wasn't good enough what we'd just seen for 20 minutes there. And Cook came out and sort of his comments were along the lines of what I'd thought of the game. So it's, it's quite pleasing to hear when the manager recognises that rather than, as sort of Huck said, just Lambert, just straight batting everything away with, yep, yeah, we were brilliant, we were good, we were this, and just refusing to even almost engage with the question. I think as as I'm oh, sorry, I'm just gonna get Huck's comment up again. That that last sentence, we're in we're in good hands. And you know, I just get the feeling I'm certainly in, in the camp whereby you just hope I'm just hoping and praying that this comes good for, for Paul Cook because he just seems to my eyes and from people I know, limited people I know within the club, he's just a lovely guy and a proper, proper footballing chap and obsessive. Yeah, that's it. But he's a football fan, as you can tell. It you can just tell it seeps out of his pores when he, he just can't stop referring to himself as a football fan, etc. In his in his interviews, but and even that video during the week, wasn't it, when he was he was pushing the gentleman around the around the outfield and, and chatting to him in, in his wheelchair and bits and pieces like that. You just think, well, there weren't there aren't many managers that would do that. He just comes across as being a you know just a pretty down to earth, mm. likable chap. Um, and so I'm just hope and pray that he. He gets the time he needs, and it, and it all comes good for him. I really, I really, really. Do. Yeah, well, I think the next five games or so make or break, really, aren't they? When you look at four away games, one home game coming up in the next five, and we've had seven at what we had seven at home, four away so far. So within five games, we'd have played played sixteen, eight at home, eight away. We'll know if this ten points in the last five games is the start of the upturn, or whether this was just good results against poor side. So. Fingers crossed in, in five games' time, we're sitting here with another 10 points from those five games. I'm not sort of, I don't want anything too ambitious. I'm not saying we need to get 15 points from those, but if we can get nine or 10 points from those again and we're continuing to climb the table, then we'll be in a in a great position. Perfect. And um, as Lee says here, I think it's probably something that we're all pretty much in agreement with. We must sign Bon on a permanent deal in January. Um, just a quick quick uh, recap on these stats so far this season he's got nine league goals he's had 19 shots so he's got a 47 percent goal conversion he's averaging a goal every 84 minutes and if if people haven't seen it um or read it already uh Stuart Watson in the EADT today I think it is has done uh, an interview with with Macaulay Bon and he sort of explains the reasons behind the number he wears on his shirt and bits and pieces of that. And it's it's a really, really, really good emotional um read. And again, Macaulay Bond, as as we've seen with his with his celebrations and you know, certainly the one on Saturday. Um, but even before that he's waving up to his family and you can just tell that it's, it means so much to him to to be here and to be playing. Um so I say yeah, I'd I'd certainly urge everyone to go and uh, go and have a look at this interview that he's done with um with Stuart Watson it's it's very much worth a read but and obviously in light of Ian Holloway's comments today Joe I think on an, on another website that um he reckons that Macaulay Bond will be heading back we're not so sure I don't think Mark Warburton was was overly um you know, no positive just, with that was like going to happen say, was if, if they get a couple ago? of injuries or something like that that's when it's that's when things would be a uh, um be an issue if, if like I say, if Lyndon Dykes and Charlie Austin were to get bad injuries and then all of a sudden they might look to bring him back. But I think we're in a really strong position to strike for him at the moment where the market is still depressed from COVID. He's, I say he's 25. He's not, he's 25 and ripping up in League One, not 21 years old, where you would have the sort of bigger clubs in the Championship sniffing around him. I think now if we were to put a decent figure on the table for QPR, I think we'd be in a good position to land him. And hopefully these discussions are ongoing because that would be such a boost to have him here permanently. And it feels like it's just 
it's just got to happen. We can't we can't let him get away from the club again. Now now he's here. He he's desperate to stay. The fans are desperate for him to stay. And I say I think he could be well. He's already becoming a real folk hero here. And we just got to we just got to raid that pension pot for a little bit more money. The firefighters of Arizona won't miss it. But that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you know he he wants to stay. And if if for example you know pick a, a lower championship clubs name out there, Bristol City or Derby County, although they're appreciated right at the bottom. But if they were to come in and again, I don't know his wages, but for example, if they were to offer him 12 grand a week to go and play for them, we could only push it to, again, numbers eight grand a week to play here. He's more likely to stay here, stay local. As you said previously, he lives in the town and has continued to live in the town even when he wasn't playing for us. So you you would hope that the the cards are stacked in our favour, wouldn't you? Yeah, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it done. You've you've still got to get it done, even when the cards are stacked in your favour. And that should be priority number one for January transfer window to get that deal done permanently. Because if he is to score thirty goals a season and we get promoted, then I say the price is going to go up and up, isn't it? As well, and all of a sudden we're a little bit over a barrel because we've got a sign and they know we'll have more money in the championship. Now is the time to get him. Obviously, obviously, if Marcus Evans was in charge of us, we wouldn't have had him in any case. But you know damn well if if Marcus Evans was in charge of us, we'd be waiting to the very last throes of the January transfer window, having spent all of January haggling the price down by a ten grand here or there, and then we'd eventually miss out on him or he'd get snapped up or get taken back or something like that. It's a question actually. Is this is for everyone? Has has there been any other player who's made such an immediate and prolonged impact as uh, as our friend Macaulay has at the moment. There's a there's a question to check out there. I'd, I'd guess the one that instantly springs to mind is probably DJ Campbell in the 2012-13 season where, I don't know, what did he play? 17, 18 games and scored 10 goals. And that was when we were very goal shy. A lot of those were sort of 1-0 wins. And that was sort of under McCarthy where the first thing to, he did when he came in was just totally tighten up at the back. But having DJ Campbell up front. Another, was he on loan from QPR at that yeah, point? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he so, was. So one from up there and he and he was just able to just make such a big difference, just popping up important goals constantly. Yeah, nice one, yeah. Well, Lisa's here, Lawrence, yeah. Ryan Fraser, yeah, nothing, well, when when he was when he was allowed to, when he was around to uh, to play, Keat, Keat Andrews and his, his old lady, old lady perm haircut, that's another one. Yeah, he scored um, a lot of goals, didn't he? Yeah, he kept he kept Paul Jewell in the job, so we're not entirely sure we want to want to big him up, <laughs> big him up too much. Good evening to you, Nick. Good to see you. Uh, and Pete, sorry, I popped your comment up there and disappeared again. Evening to you, Pete. Um, question here from Andrew: If the transfer window was open now, which players would you move on? Well, I suppose it's yeah. You don't want to leave. It depends, I suppose, who's 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 coming in. If we can get McCauley in, then potentially, I suppose, Jackson Jackson off. But if Norwood's out of contract into the season, he's what thirty one, thirty two, and cycling to all the matches. Yeah, probably probably the same players we're trying to move out in the summer transfer window of Thomas Holy, Caden Jackson. If there's anyone able to sort of take James Norwood off our hands, I think we'd probably let them as long as it's not one of our promotion rivals or to a League Two club, I think we'd let him go, but there's not a huge amount of players that you could sort of easily move on now, is there? No. Um, no, I suppose that's, the thing is, I suppose at the moment, we are still sort of searching for our, our best team and you know, I suppose there is that question of, have you just got too much choice? You know, if you, when you've got Fraser and Selena and, and Edwards and Chaplin and Uncle Tom Cobley available to play all along your the three behind the striker. You know, you, you may well you're not forced to stick with people. Are you? you know, you've you've got too much choice. I, I, it, it does feel like we're and sort of this will come in on that Stuart's question now about who's playing at number ten on Saturday. It does feel like we're sort of moving towards an eleven of well, <laughs> start of the keeper. I don't really know the keeper, but probably Walton. I'd, I'd imagine will end the season as number one, right back. If Vincent Young comes back in form, but Donatian left back is going to be Colson, Burgess and Edmondson are the preferred two at the back. Morsi and Evans are preferred two in the middle, and then I think we're going to end up with Bursant Selina on the left, 
Connor Chaplin as the 10, Wes Burns on the right behind Macaulay Bond. I think that's what's going to end up being our strongest team with sort of Kyle Edwards as probably a impact sub that can come in in any of those or can help with the rotation there. But it, it does feel like we're working towards that. And definitely, I think Connor Chaplin was very good as a 10 on Saturday. I think it's probably that and the sort of burst and Selena performance against Doncaster was the first or the only times all season where we've had the number 10 get into the game and actually try and make things happen. And I think Chaplin Chaplin did that well on Saturday. And I think if you like say you get Selena on the left, you get Chaplin in the middle, Burns on the right, you've got a, a nice little combination there. Yeah. Well, what about here then? So Peter asked if, if Chilina Selena, does he come does he come straight back in on Saturday or do we have um Edwards no. Edwards play or I don't I know think, really. I think Fraser Selena comes in and stop Fraser. I think for me, I think Fraser's been decent, but I don't think he's done en- done as enough to sort of again grab that position with both hands. I think it's Selena. Ultimately, he's our marquee signing this season, really. Sort of Selena and Sam Morsey, and I think in that Doncaster game, those two did just look a cut above everyone else on the pitch on both sides of the team, and it feels like those two are the ones that, if if those two can stay fit through the whole season, we're going to win more games than we lose. I suppose if you've if you've got Selena on one wing, um, Burns on the other, Chaplin in the middle, and you've got Fraser and Edward, I can't believe I'm saying all this, and you've got Fraser and Edwards on the bench, you've you're pretty well stocked and well covered for all eventualities mm. as well, aren't you? Yep. Um, as Dan says here, Wes Burns. Do you, do you, and this is another question for everyone. He's probably been consistently. Would you argue our our best our best player, and certainly since he's had this sort of understanding with um, with Macaulay Bond in and terms Delessian of and behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see in terms of Macaulay Bond on the on the occasion he gets his head up and plays the crosses in. You know, that seems to be a little bit of a uh, an understanding going on there as well, didn't it? Of all of all the players that brought in, he probably wasn't you know the biggest. I appreciate it was like the first one in the door, but wasn't the biggest fanfare of all of them, was he? No, I think once the squad had finished being built, sort of at the end of the transfer window, if you'd have if you'd have asked everyone to name what they think their starting eleven would be, you'd have seen a lot more of Kyle Edwards, Burst and Selena, Connor Chaplin, Scott Fraser, and Wes Burns being the one who probably would sort of slide down the pecking order a little bit, maybe be used at right back if Danasian was going, because it looked at one stage like he was. But for me, I think Wes Burns, like Macaulay Bond, is probably one of the players who has just nailed down that position. I think if he's fit, there's no way he doesn't play because he has he's grabbed his opportunity with both hands and he is with, without doubt deserving of his role in the team. And there's not that many players that have done that so far. Yeah. And as Dan says here about Piggott, Christ, I just forget about these players, didn't you? Is that we need to bring Piggott into the side alongside Bon as a precaution. If and when Bon gets recalled, we have a striker who can score goals rather than a sub. He is a he is a goal scorer, I don't, and and to be fair to him, when he's come on, he's he's looked you know, relatively up for the up for the fight, and has has done a job on, in those fleeting moments. He's actually come onto the pitch, Piggott. I don't really know how you currently fit them fit them both into the into the side. I think it's just going to be a case of playing in the in the Papa John's and round one of the FA Cup, which isn't too far away, is it? The draw is on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, draws on Sunday, and then the. Uh, yeah, the, what's the first game? First weekend of November, probably. Yeah, yeah. So you may have to just unfortunately bide his time. Oh, we're going to be pushing at an open Joe Fair's door here. I'm pretty happy, says Peter, with Burgess's defending, but he is so slow and moves the ball so slowly. Wondering if Wolf would be more suited. Thoughts? Do we need? Does anyone need to hear Joe's thoughts on on Luke Wolf and whether he should be in the team? I'm not necessarily saying Wolfie should, but he does seem more suited to a Paul Cook team. I think Chris Rand made a point earlier on in the in the comments that might be missed, saying about how sort of we we yeah sort of Evans and Morsey sort of passing the ball sideways, and it seems to be the tactics to start every attack through the wide pairings. And I think that we are very predictable in that way. And I, I don't think having Burgess. So even Edmonton hasn't really impressed me with the way he steps up the ball from the back yet. He hasn't no. really done anything like that. And it, it not does from what make we were us... led to not from what we were led to believe he was supposed to be like in terms of a ball 
more of a ball playing player. You mean? No, and I, and I, I just think you see Wolfie when he when he can step out with the ball, he can beat a man, drive the ball into midfield, take a sort of defensive line out of the game, and his progressive passing is better than any of the other defenders in the squad. And it seemed when um, when Paul Cook was appointed, this this was what we were, we were told. This was the sort of defender he liked, a player that can a centre back who can pass the ball progressively. And I just don't see it with Cameron Burgess at all. I'd, I'd almost say. Toto Enciala is probably a better passer of the ball than he is and better on the ball. And I don't see that he's a massive upgrade defensively from Toto either. So it, I'm not sure there's a huge difference in quality if you were to put Wolfenden and Enciala as the back, as a centre-back pairing than you would have in Edmondson and Burgess there. So I know it. we, we do seem, like I say, a, a little bit too predictable with how we sort of how we build up from the back and I say there's something, if you read an old like Johan Cruyff book, he does say that's a problem with a 4 2 3 1, that all your attacks have to start from your fullbacks, where if you have a proper 4 3 3, then you, you have the options around it. And we are sort of quite predictable in how it works. And you, we do rely on someone like Matt Penny being able to drive up yeah. the pitch and pick out some decent passes and puts a lot of. Um, puts a lot of pressure pressure on him and it makes it hard to do. Well, that that was our only real attacking outlet, wasn't it? At times on Saturday was poor old Penny getting the ball and, and having to run with it or find a pass because you know, the, the three of the three of the back four were weren't moving anywhere. And as we were saying on our on our WhatsApp, it just just needed the game was just crying out because Shrewsbury was just sitting so deep. Just game was just crying out for just overloads, wasn't it? Whether it be the pass, whether it be someone taking someone on, taking them out of the game, just to get more players up that end of the pitch, but. Yeah, it didn't uh, didn't seem to didn't seem to happen. Dan seems to think that Wolfenden may be going soon. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I don't. I think really they know need... where he, where he'd end up. Oh, I, I think he'd, they'd have been quite happy for him to go in the summer. But I think it was pointed out that if you did lose Wolfenden, there would be no academy players left, which means that Idris Elmazuni would have to be on the bench for every game. Otherwise, we could only name six subs. So it was important we kept hold of a, a player to ensure that we didn't need to do that. And I think. Wolfie was that guy where I suppose Miles Kenlock could come back in from the cold to cover that role post January, but I, I just think there's a there's a big role for Wolfie here, and it's just a shame that he's not sort of in favour at the moment. Yeah. Well, then as, as Jack points out, wouldn't worry too much about being predictable as we're we're joint top scorers at the moment. Um, but but so can yeah, McCauley's but... Bond's clinical form carry on throughout the season when he's sort of going along at double what his expected goals should be. And you'd, you'd expect there to be some regression. He can't keep scoring every single chance he gets, can he? Which yeah. is there. Well, and, I, and I, like, we don't create a huge amount, do we? I think in the Accrington game, after we scored went one and up, we didn't have a single shot after that. On Saturday, after we went 2-1 up, we didn't have a single shot after that in the game. And it's, it's a bit of a concern that, obviously, the Doncaster game puts a good slant on our attacking numbers, both sort of chances, goals in the same way that the Bolton game puts a negative slant on our defensive numbers. But we, we're not sort of a side that creates a huge amount of chances. We've just got very good players when we do. Yeah. Um, but I suppose as well, the, the it's, all, it's always the next five, six games. It's always the next five, six games. But if if we've, in our next few games, we've got Portsmouth away, we've got Plymouth away, we've got Sunderland away, we've got Wickham, Wickham away... away. Yeah, you, you're going to know very much where we're at um, come the end of those, aren't you? So let's let's see where we are in terms of scores uh, at the end of that. Now we've got a couple of people here who've asked the same question. I'm going to I'm going to bring them up. One's Sebastian, um, one's Seb, and one's Charlie. Mr. Peter Reed was spotted at the uh, at the ground at the weekend, um, looking rather rather dapper in between tweeting his disgust about the current Conservative government um, on Twitter. Um, Seb, speak and, and say, Charlie there, what are your views on the Peter Reid role within the club? I don't think anything's been confirmed as yet. And it's sort of, and, and they, they've worked, Paul Cook and Peter Reid have worked together previously at Wigan. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Joe, that's sort of come out of the blue. Does this negate the requirement for a, experienced assistant manager well, i don't think an experienced assistant manager is going to be happening what, whatever happens with peter reed to be honest it just seems like that ship has sailed and it won't be happening but 
I'm not, I can't say the appointment of Peter Reed gets me too excited in either direction, really. It's just somebody that Cook obviously trusts, maybe can work as a mentor with him, somebody he obviously respects and trusts and views views their opinion on the game with sort of respect. So it's it's a good thing that he's got somebody else to talk to in a maybe more official role than just speaking to people. And if, and if Paul Cook thinks it's something that will help him do his job better, then yeah get on with it and get it done and hopefully it does help him and i heard somewhere that he was he was at the action game as well so you know if if all he's doing is sitting up in the stand and sitting on the halfway line and watching matches and you know, there's no interference or anything during the match but as you say at the end of the match in the week leading up to the next match he's just there and thereabouts and just can see a more holistic view of of the match um and give his advice and bits and pieces from there i don't suppose it can doesn't hurt it can't hurt no no blue monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport fan network and nordvpn giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely nordvpn opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than wesburn's running down the wing nordvpn acts like your cyber sam morsey whilst online protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. No. Um, one from Michael. What about El Mizuni for Evans? He can tackle, run with the ball, and pick a pass. He, he's impressed everyone, hasn't he, El Mizuni, in that, uh, in, in, every, in every game he's played with, really. And in the different roles, he's played at least one game in the number 10 role in one of the um, Upper John games, maybe the West Ham game, was it? He played in the number 10. Um, and the Gillingham game the other the other night, he was he thought he's absolutely brilliant in that. Um, appreciate we need to take the respective opponents and bits and pieces. But again, he's another one that hasn't really hasn't done himself any um, any harm at all. He's, he's surprised me in terms of how how much more physical he's been in his play. Yeah, and it's just the way when he gets on the board, his passing is just positive, moves the ball forward and moves the ball quickly. He does seem, like I say, um, Lee Evans is going to be on a hugely long leash, you'd imagine, that he's not going to have his spot taken from him very quickly because he's obviously one of Paul Cook's generals, effectively, from his previous previous Wigan side. But El Mazzuni is certainly impressed whenever he's had an opportunity this season. And it, it doesn't it doesn't take a huge leap to think that he could be the player that ends up really coming into the side and doing well. The sort of North African, the Sahara experts at the top of it there. <laughs> Here's a question actually from Stuart in regards to John Nolan, um, one that could potentially be moved on in um, in January, given he's he's taking up a space in the squad at the moment, but. Really haven't heard any anything about him at all, have we? Other than he was on the grass. Well, he was two, on the three, bench, wasn't he, ago. for the um, one of the league for the Papa John's game, so West yeah, Ham won, but then didn't come Paul on, Cook and then was injured again. Was, yeah, Paul Cook said his plan was to to bring him on, but for whatever reason, um, 
he didn't, did he? In the end, because probably because we were losing and trying to trying to win. Yeah, and, and he subsequently got injured again. He wasn't on the bench for the Gillingham game, and like um, Stuart said there, that the, apparently the club were going to make an announcement about that. But what what it was, I don't know. Was it they were going to try and get him deregistered so he could stick Miles Kenlock in into the twenty five if Nolan is out until January now, and he's just not going to play a part, but. What what it is, I don't know, but it's maybe maybe they wanted to get him deregistered and they found out they can't, so there is now no announcement to make. And but you'd you'd think that he's you know he's now well down the pecking order in that respect, isn't he? But I know I appreciate that Harper, we've we've since found out isn't really suited to that role, but he could play it if needed, and we know that El Mazzuni can play it, and you've already got the two very experienced guys that that are there and, already. And Tom Carroll, Tom Carroll, <laughs> Tom Carroll. <laughs> Um, you know, Fraser said to need last week that at Milton Keynes he played as a number eight, but he'd probably play there if we needed to. If we were four or five players down of our current, um, Kane Vincent Young there. could probably play there. Um, one question I was going to ask you, uh, harking back to the uh, Carl Edwards bit of skill we, we were treated to in, in the last throws of, of the Shrewsbury match, where he sent uh, he sent the Shrewsbury player down towards the North Stand corner flag while he was running towards the Churchman's corner flag. Um, has can anyone remember a specific piece of skill from an Ipswich Town player that's left them gasping? There was an audible gasp in the crowd when it happened, and a like, oh, here we go. I think I saw um, Frank Newell control the ball once. Yeah, you must have been <laughs> enjoying hospitality that day, mate. I. I, I, so I went to see him at Cole U a couple of weeks back and he's, his touch hasn't improved any. I remember, just thinking off the top of my head, I remember once down at Portsmouth, this was when Roy Keane was in charge, so 2009, 2010, Connor Wickham came on from, he was a sub and he came on uh, during the second half. And I think it was a nil-nil game we, we played down there, surprisingly enough, under Roy Keane. And uh, our goalie must have been Fulop, maybe Fulop. Anyway, kicked it, drop kicked it down the line and Wickham was standing right in front of the dugouts and literally brought it down on his instep, dead. And he, I, how old he was at the time, 16, 17, I thought, crikey, we've got a player on our hands here. And that's one piece of skill that still stands out you know, 10, bloody hell, 10, 11 years later. I suppose that shows how uh, lacking of top skilled, skillful, tricky players we've had. We've had a lot of wingers, but none that necessarily take their player on with skill rather than knock it past them and run like hell. No, we've had a great shout there from Josh. Guion Edwards' flick against Blackburn. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as I read that one, I said, oh yeah, that instantly came back to mind. That was a lovely piece of skill where he just took the player out of the game, just knocking the ball over his head and spinning around him. So yeah, that's the, the clubhouse leader at the moment. And lived and, and lived on that for a, a subsequent year. Oh, there was a good gif made, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Good evening, bits. Hope you're well. Enjoyed um, your cigar. Now here's a question, and this is going. I'm going to use my professional presenting presenting skills here. Dan asks, does anyone know much about Cambridge United? Are they a passing side or more of a physical side? We really do not pick up results against physical sides. We are better against the passing sides, in my opinion. Dan, you need to tune in on Friday evening to the live show with Rich and Seb, um, where they will thoroughly debrief everybody on Cambridge United and their setup and their style of play and their formations. Rich will tell you who's going to score against us. Um, they'll, Rich will then bully the, the viewers into voting for his his choice in room room 101. Um, so yes, look out for that on Friday. But what I can tell you is they won't be a John Beck, grow the grass long in the corners of the pitch um, in, in the, Steve Whitten. Give the opposition flat balls to practice with, turn the heating either up or down according to the uh, temperature outside. I think if you've got Wes Houlihan in your team and Jack Lancaster on the bench, I think at the moment, isn't he? If he's getting on there at all, um, they are more of a passing side. But tune in, tune in Friday, Friday evening, eight o'clock, I think it will be. And then Hope, hopefully we don't have to witness another Wes Houlihan masterclass against us because I've grown very sick of those over the years. 
Yeah, well, um, and at least we won't have Flynn Downs getting sent off for headbutting someone as he, as he was in the preseason friendly that I saw a couple of two, three years ago. Mm. Here we go, Michael. Murin did a spin and sent Alan Ball one way and he went the other. Ball stopped and clapped him. You see, that's the sort of thing we need to hear. So we've had, there you go. So what's that? So that was around about 1980, what we now, 2021. So no, 41 three years. Of skill in 40 three years. pieces of skill. <laughs> <laughs> one from a 16 year old boy. Perfect. Um, what else we got? What's the show for tonight? Good question, Bits. Yeah, we, Joe and I were were just chatting about that in the in the green room before the uh, before the show, saying, "What are we going to uh, talk about? Have we got news like signed Bon? Sadly, not at the moment. Sadly, not. Um, but you know, listen back. We have we have um, briefly spoken about it, and um, fingers crossed, it'll uh, it'll get done. We're we're hopeful. We're hopeful, mate. Um, here, question from James. What happens if, come the end of the transfer window, we're still mid-table and without Bon? Obviously a failure of a campaign, but would it worry you? Well, if Bon gets recalled, as someone's previously said, we have still got, you know, one of the leading scorers, if not the leading scorer of League One from last season on the subs bench, ready, ready to come in. Yeah, but it would be a total failure of a campaign if we're still if we're in mid table in at the end of January. It would be. Well, I don't think Paul Cook would still be in a job at that point. Is one from Nick actually? That's a good one. Is is another gifable piece of skill, wasn't it? At, uh, against Norwich, Norwich. Yeah, yeah, where he where he <laughs> he twisted and turned and sent two Norwich players into each other. Um, that's that's a good one actually. Good shout there. Um, one here. For you, Joe, um, from Charlie, who who from the academy should we now be looking out for? Is anyone that um, from the current crop that we should be aware of? Well, we, we've seen little bits of them, but sort of Albie Armand and Cameron Humphreys are two that are still effectively under-18 players that have jumped straight up to being part of the first-team squad. I know they're mostly playing for the under-23s, but they are sort of two players that have really pushed on, and I think everyone would agree that when they have played for the first team, they, they haven't looked that that far off it, really. They've, they've looked quite quite close to it. And I think probably, especially Albie Armand, I think he's one that is really, really pushing quite hard and probably so much so that he's ahead of Elkin Baggett in the pecking order, which I don't think anyone would have expected this time last year. But it's really the case now. Nico Valentine is a first-year scholar who's sort of started the season well. I think he may have picked up an injury in the last few weeks because he's not played much, but he's one that's been away on sort of England under 17 camps, which is, you, you don't get many players in Category 2 academies doing that. There's another guy coming back from a cruciate injury, Finley Corrigan, who's sort of impressive when he plays as sort of striker left-footed with a sort of hammer of a shot, but he hasn't been able to play yet this season because of injury. So there's just a few bits here and there, and also this lad from Australia. I haven't I haven't seen him yet, so maybe our Australian correspondent Michael can <laughs> give us give us a view on is it Teti Yengi yet? So we'll, we'll see what happens to him. But it's a it's an interesting deal. I didn't expect it to happen, and I'm amazed. Maybe he must have a sort of British passport somewhere down the line because I, I don't see what he he had that would have given him enough effectively points to get work yeah. here. Otherwise, so he's an interesting one, but he's sort of 21 22 isn't he? he's not a he's not a youngster but be interested to see how he does but he physically looks excellent and there's a sort of few highlights reels but without not really being able to see the under 18s and under 23s at the moment because of covid which is blamed for everything it seems at the moment you can't you can't go and watch games because of it so i can't really give much more than that sadly Fun, funnily enough i'm not going to name drop because i'm not going to mention the guy but i was speaking two or three hours ago to a member of the coaching staff that went up to Barnsley with the under-23s earlier this week. Um, and I actually asked him, it, this is about something completely different away from Ipswich Town, but I asked him about um, the Aussie lad and how he was getting on and stuff like that. He just said he's, considering you know, the distance he's come and he's without family, etc. he said he's fitted in really well. He's he sort of joined the, joined the group. He said the group of under-23 lads are a nice bunch anyway, but he said he's, he's slipped in seamlessly and he looks a you know a decent player and as you say joe he's a he's a decent decent specimen um 
Yeah, here we go. Here's our, our Brisbane correspondent. A rough diamond, but for a good man, big man, well, it might be good man, a big man, a good touch. Good touch hey, for a big man. Big men with good touches are right up my alley. <laughs> get him on that right, get him on that right wing. But um, one I didn't mention was Tawanda Torreira, who has seems to score nearly every game he at the moment. And, yeah. and they're all stunning goals. He's seems he's playing as a number ten for the under twenty threes, and he's just sort of managing to pick out the sort of the top corner from twenty five yards most weeks. It seems, and did so throughout pre season. He was a guy that scored the um, the goal um, at Dartford when we played there in pre season in yeah. the sort of mixed first team under eighteen game as well. Um. One from Brad. Yeah, we, we as you spoke about earlier in terms of the mentality and, and Cook's post-match comments. I don't. Is it an arrogance? I don't know because you'd you would hope. And I was I was chatting to my my mate Glenn that I go to football with um, the other day, saying that we've basically we've we've brought in this team from scratch, haven't we? You know, there's nobody left over from previous regimes. These guys have been brought in, handpicked because of ability and mentality. And you would hope that. They've got the wherewithal about them to to not fall into that trap, wouldn't you? They're experienced enough to they've been around League One enough to know that when you go to these places, you need to tough it out rather than get one and up and think you're going to cruise through it. Yeah, but but all, all season we've we've had very many different game states where it's gone wrong. From like I say, we've been two nil up against Wimbledon and drawn two two. We've been one nil up against. Lincoln and managed to hold on for the win. We've it's sort of which whichever we've gone behind early against Morecambe and we've come back twice to equalise and whichever sort of manner of sort of the game's gone, whether it's an early a good start, a bad start, we've, we've seemed to manage to do something different every time. So it doesn't. I wouldn't say arrogance. Or I wouldn't say any um, sort of overconfidence. I think I think it's probably more in nervousness than anything else that we go one nil up and they don't know whether to keep going for that second goal or whether to try and protect what they've got. Maybe because we have been a little bit shaky at the back defensively that they naturally sort of come to their shell a bit and take less risks. But I'd say hopefully we'll get out of it soon. Bits, Bits, thank you very much. You've come up with the goods yet again. He's put a deposit towards the live venue. I don't know what the deposit is for Wembley Stadium nowadays, Joe. But, I thought um, we were at Wembley Arena, weren't we? Just Oh, are we starting, starting off yeah. there? Okay, mate. Well, I say we'll we'll have a word with um, Brent um, County Council and uh, see what it is. But um, thank you very much for that, Bits. Very much appreciate it. Um, right, we've been going three quarters of an hour here, everybody. Um, so we'll probably look to start to wind it down relatively soon. So just thinking ahead, Cambridge, if people want to get in some um, predictions, whether it be scores whether it be lineups you know we've got selena back we've got edwards taking the mickey out of people on the wing we've got um plenty of people to choose from so um if you want to just chuck some score predictions in the comments we'll we'll flash them up and, and have a little chat about it um one thing i was going to just briefly speak about joe if you don't mind is um the the ladies the women's team um and more specifically joe sheehan who recorded his 39th win in his 50th game in charge of of the women's team and which is a seven which is a 78% win ratio and his the goal difference is 154 to the to the good after 50 matches now all, taking those aside the guy's got a, a UEFA A license um I read um and where, where realistically do you think he could he could go? What's what's a natural progression for the guy? I'm not saying you know, not wishing him away on in, in any respect, but you know, the guy's obviously got a, a bit about him. And I know the I don't know personally, but I know someone that does know um, Mark Robinson from the Wimbledon coach, head coach, manager, wherever, wherever his title is. He was a he was a tour guide at Chelsea. He sh- he's a die in the wall Chelsea fan, and he used to show people around. Stanford Bridge as a tour guide and at the, at the time he was doing that on the side he was a coach at Wimbledon under nines I think it was under nines under tens but he's worked his way up from a, a youth capacity into, into now being head coach now not for one suge- instant suggesting Joe Sheen's gonna make that leap anytime soon but from his perspective where do you reckon he could potentially end up? It's a difficult one isn't it to know it, I suppose it depends what his ambitions are are they 
sort of to stay in the women's game because there's obviously a lot of profile on that now and he's a, a top third tier manager in that now and that that would probably his his CV if he is able to get Ipswich into the second tier would probably put him in the frame for jobs in the WSL which is becoming a real big competition and is that probably an easier or not easier is that a a route that he's further down the line of to get to the top in as opposed to sort of having to start again in the men's game and maybe drop into a development age side or stuff like that but he's sort of everyone speaks very highly of him he's obviously a very good coach and sort of the girls a lot of the girls have followed him I think he's sort of um, coached them previously at like Colchester and in the sort of Essex development centres I'm not sure the exact titles of it but yeah I think he's obviously someone with a sort of good future ahead of him in the game and whether that leads to effectively um, sort of moving moving up in the women's game I think that would probably be his sort of best bet to sort of make a good career of it as things stand at the moment and when you see the sort of money, the sort of Man City's, Chelsea's, Man United—they're—they're they're throwing at it. It'd be a sort of good move to go that way, you'd assume. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, fantastic. Good luck to them. Good luck to them all. And just as an aside, um, the—I think it's the League Cup draw has been made, and um, the Ipswich women's team have been drawn at home to the team that they are currently fighting it out with at the, at the top of the league, Southampton. Um, say so it's it's at home it's on sunday november the 7th so the day after we get knocked out of the fa cup in the first round so um if you if you pop along to to felixstowe on on sunday the uh, 7th of november you will no doubt see richard woodward who is now um one of the most staunch supporters and fans and followers i think mainly because he can drink beer whilst whilst watching the game, I think. But um, Rich is there, you know, for, for a lot of the home matches. So please go along and, and say hello to him. All right, we've got some um, predictions coming in here. Uh, Lee's gone for a 2-1 with a, a Bon and Selena double there. Um, Charlie's gone for Selena coming straight in again. And we're winning 2-0. Stuart's gone for a 2-0 Macaulay Bond double, my God, can you believe it? Brad. Brad is predicting a defeat. A nagging feeling of us not turning up. My well, you know, Brad, if they're not going to turn up with Craigie, how many fans we've got going there? Up as a two thousand fans a sellout. The the ground is totally sold out as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there'll be a hell of an atmosphere there. Um as Joe puts it, a Wes Houlihan masterclass. Um Crikey, look, that last sentence. Please prove me wrong, Town, and turn up for once in these big games. A big game. Cambridge United away being classed as being a big game, eh? Um, Michael, 3-1 win. Thumping header from one of our defenders from corner. Well, we've broken that duck now, haven't we? That After that Bond header, what a fantastic header that was last week, scoring straight from a corner. We haven't done that too much recently. Lee Evans did, didn't he, against Doncaster, his first goal? Oh yes, yeah, but that was that wasn't that flicked on by there. Yeah, yeah. defender flicked on. Yeah, doesn't count. Now Neil, I know Neil. There's no need for that, mate. This is Brightsy Regents um, photographer there predicting a two-nil win to uh, Cambridge. Um, Maz. I know Maz. He that was. I went to a lovely barbecue at Maz's at the weekend. If you need, if anybody wants a recipe for a curry as well, um, Maz can provide you one. He's gone for a uh, a two nil Bon brace. Bits. Is that how many we've got? Is it two thousand six hundred going? I Gee, think, I think we could have sold a lot more than that as well if we had the tickets. There's desperation all over social media. One more ticket needed. Two tickets needed. Someone was someone was selling three earlier. I noticed. Um, so yeah, if if you if you are desperate for a ticket and, and on the lookout, then yeah, keep your eye out on TWTD and Twitter because very often I've noticed that you know on the day or so leading up to the match, people will find out that you know a mate's dropped out or and with with COVID rife in the area been... at the moment, I think there's probably going to be a lot of people needing to self isolate. Maybe another super spreader event on Saturday. Someone's been struck down. Yeah, if if, if you've if you know people that have got tickets. 
and you want their ticket, if you just drop David Diamond um, a note and he can sort of cough into an envelope or pop around and splurt at them when they open the front door or something, we'll see if we can um, get him to get him to spread the word, as it were. Bits, you're just getting silly now, but as you um, we'll enjoy made, a, it. made a donation, yeah, we'll 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 appreciate that and uh, we'll let you have that one. Um, okay, so. Probably time to start winding things down. I'll I'll just do a few plugs, Joe. If you want to think about something something witty and uh, pithy for the uh, final word, um, we are giving away a copy of FIFA 22 on the Xbox One. I believe it is. I'm more of a PlayStation man myself. I'm afraid I've I haven't yet got round to um, purchasing FIFA 22. I'm still on FIFA 21. And to be honest, I'm, I used to like playing the old um, career thing where you where you take over the the guy and go through his career from a youth player up to playing for whoever and then you take on his funny northern fella and move backs and forwards anyway they don't do that anymore so i don't play it as much um fifa 22 on the xbox one if you go to twitter um i think we pinned a tweet at the top you just need to retweet that if you could please then like the, our uh, channel on YouTube, we will be, I think Rich and Seb are making the draw on Friday. If not during the show, then announcing it um, on the show. Um, so yeah, if you want a copy of FIFA 22 on the Xbox One, then please do that. Obviously like anyway, if you don't want a copy of FIFA 22 on the Xbox One, please like the channel on YouTube in any case. Um, the FSA are doing a poll at the moment and their their annual awards and we're not in it for the awards we're not in it for the money but if you want to vote for us on as the club podcast of the year you can do there's a there's a link um again i think phil twtd um has got a new story on it um because obviously you know we'd we'd more than like everyone to also vote for phil and, and twtd and us into the bargain if that's at all possible um and then, yeah, so then we're on to Friday night and Seb and Rich will be, I say, debriefing everybody on Cambridge and what they're like and Room 101 and all the various gubbins that they come up with. Um, Seb's stat of the week on Cambridge, um, which we're all on tenterhooks for. And then we go through to the match and we're thinking about, again, this week of doing a live show saturday night subsequent to the match so probably about half seven eight o'clock saturday night um i think ben dave one of either i think rich or seb or joe will be joining them so again we're gonna we're gonna try out the um the saturday night fever um show on a post match yeah, Joe will wear his, wear his white suit. I will have my shirt unbuttoned to my navel with my medallion showing. Um, yeah, so we'll give that a go. And then that will be available Sunday morning rather than Monday morning. But um, yeah, we're, we're just seeing how it's how it's going. Bits, let's hope so, my friend. Let's hope so. Bits will be in the pub celebrating what Nick thinks will be a 4-1 win. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for commenting. Plenty of comments tonight. Thanks very much. Michael, we're going to give you the, uh, the last word as our longest distance viewer from Brisbane. Great show, guys. Time for breakfast. End with a pun. Burns on fire for Saturday. Joe? What you got to say to us, my friend? It's a quick quiz question for you. The last Ipswich player to score against Cambridge in a league match. Oh, crikey. So, would that, what was that, 92, 93? That's no, all the era. 91, 92. Home match? Away. Simon Milton? Simon Milton is the answer. Was it really? Yep. Mick Stockwell scored against him a 2-1 defeat at Portman Road earlier in the season. And then Simon Milton in a 1-1 at the Abbey Stadium. Crikey, that was without even referring to the scrapbook. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. 
All right, Joe. Well, thanks very much for your time. Thanks a lot, everyone, for your comments. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, tune in Friday night. Rich and Seb, we'll see you then. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.